bored death and anything out of the ordinary was both fascinating and amusing. So he was going for laughs. He was trying to get a rise out of the, the, the kids around him. Absolutely. And then later, and this I, I reflect in the book, the book becomes darker and darker uh, and more claustrophobic as it, as it unfolds. His behavior became darker, and particularly the drinking. He was a heavy drinker. Mainly he was self-medicating, trying to quell these hideous urges that were just taking him over. The way you depict this in your book, I mean, it's shocking how much he drank. I mean, apparently he came in to school totally plastered. Yeah. He would walk around the halls of the school uh, with a styrofoam coffee cup from the coffee machine in the cafeteria. It was full of scotch or whiskey, you know, some dark liquid that looked like coffee. Walking right through the halls of the school. Now, keep in mind, this is a very different era. And I'm try I try to get that across in the book that, it, you know, it was not... 2012. I mean, it was 1978, 1977. It was a completely different society, completely different era. But still, that's a little that's a little hard to to explain away. Yeah, it's it's a little unbelievable when you say there are times when he was passed out, literally on the school grounds. How could no adult actually see this? Right. Yeah, I have no explanation for it. Either they didn't care, or you know, they didn't want to be bothered. By the time that it got really bad, he was already a senior, and they figured, well, you know, in a couple months, he'll be somebody else's problem. Well, he was somebody else's problem. And it is a, a very tragic and troubling element of this story. And, and one of the reasons I find it so fascinating and, and wanted to get it down is that it's really unbelievable that he got away with what he got away with. Now, he had a skill for that, which he employed with very lethal effectiveness later in life, as you well know. Why do you think he was drinking so much? I believe that he was self-medicating, and this is what Jeff himself says. I mean, he didn't feel that he could approach anyone else about what was going on in his head. I mean, how do you go up to someone and say, hey, you know, I'm fantasizing about dead bodies. You know, that's not going to happen. And he was trying to anyway just, just you know, tamp down these, these horrible urges that were in his head and, and virtually taking, uh, threatening to take him over body and soul. And this was what he came up with. And for a while, I mean, in the book, you know, I, I think he, it was almost a heroic struggle. I know that people have trouble attaching that word to Jeffrey Dahmer. But remember, the Dahmer that I knew had committed no crime. He was just this horribly troubled kid marching inexorably toward the abyss as the adults in his life failed to intercede. And, um, I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Where would he go? That's what he came up with. You mentioned that you were part of something called the Dahmer Fan Club. Uh, what was right. that? It was this small group of band nerds, my inner circle. There was maybe five or six of us. And uh, we, for a while, pulled him into our circle and encouraged him to act up and, and, and act out. Of course, it was all men in jest. You know, I, I've been criticized periodically that, you know, we were cruel or, or dismissive of him. And, and that's not really the case. I mean, Dahmer himself remembered that time very fondly. It was very likely the happiest time of his life because he had friends and he was the center of attention in a good way. I mean, as good as it got for him anyways. You write about one episode when you, you basically egged him on to, to act out, to, to do his, his thing in a shopping mall. Right. Right, we paid him like 35 bucks to put on a command performance, we called it. And it was, it was an epic, uh, legendary afternoon, yeah. But, but then as his behavior got so dark that eventually we just, uh, one by one, just pushed him away. But what, just uh, to follow up on that one incident, what, what happened that afternoon? Uh, he walked around the mall throwing various epileptic fits, you know, bleeding at people. He knocked over glasses of water at a restaurant and pretended he uh, was having fits, that sort of thing. As we followed him around in a large pack of 
10 or 12 teenagers laughing and cackling, and he, he got away with it. And that was pretty much all that, that happened that day. Uh, you know, looking back on it, even at that time, by the end of the day, I was pretty creeped out. And that was actually kind of the end of my time with him, because after that, I, I distanced myself from him. What was it that uh, creeped you out about him? Well, the drinking, first of all, which I saw firsthand. He downed an entire six-pack of beer on the way to the mall in the space of about uh, six or seven minutes. He drank six, six cans of beer in six minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just made my skin crawl watching it in the rearview mirror. And that was the, it really came into focus for me just how troubled this kid was at that point. And so I pushed him away. And, you know, I, people have called me out on that. And there are no heroes in my story. I mean, everybody fails, including, of course, Jeff himself. But I'm not going to apologize for pushing him away because instinctively that was a pretty darn good instinct to have. <laughs> it could have well been me.